Hello and welcome to On The Wire, the official podcast of the PDC. I'm Rod Studd, we're here at the Riley's Darts Zones UK Open at the Reebok Stadium in Bolton, home to the FA Cup of Darts. We talked to the winner of the tournament, Phil Taylor, who broke the world record for the highest average in his fourth round game with Kevin Painter, on the way to his fourth UK Open title. We speak to the Stokes and also hear from his semi-final victim, Dennis Ovens. Perhaps the biggest story is the emergence of the young talent in the game. Before I talk to Rod Harrington about that, he caught up with Joe Cullen, the 20-year-old from Bradford who put on a great showing. Phil Taylor was in imperious form as he lifted the UK Open title, and afterwards I spoke to the man who's now won a staggering 67 TV tournaments. We keep meeting like this, don't we? Well done. Um, just some of what the team is to win this tournament, because this is a uh, unique... I'm over the moon. Tough, it's it? very, very difficult tonight. Both of us felt um, a little bit um, lethargic, I think. Both of us were dropping the darts down, but it was one of them, whoever wanted it the most, and I think I wanted it more than Gary tonight. But Gary is... Uh, He's one of them plays, he's either going to, he's, he's, he's a Paul Gascoigne. He's either going to reach the heights and be the best player ever been, or he's going to flop. There's two Gary Andersons, and that's the problem. Sometimes geniuses are like that, and he is brilliant. You've had to do it quite tough this year. Last year, dare I say, you had a little bit of luck with the draw here, and you didn't play any of the top-ranked players, but this year you beat Whitlock, Lewis, Anderson. Yeah. That, that, that's a tough sequence of games to get it's one. See, they're all good now. You know, Tony Ayres, I thought, was fantastic. I thought, Dennis Ovens, when I, when I first beat Dennis, I turned around, I said, where have you been for the last 12 months? He went, I know I did. Brilliant. He was, he was fantastic. You know, I had to pull, the, pull my best game out to beat Dennis Ovens tonight, and it's good to see Dennis Ovens start playing. He speeded up a little bit, he was quick hit, started playing well, yeah. went back to the old Dennis Ovens, didn't play so well. Did play, it did play well overall. He played yeah. brilliant for the first probably nine, ten legs. Do you ever get worried again? Like did he get worried? Do you ever get worried or do you just... Uh, I'm only one leg behind, I'm thinking break the throw. And when you're behind sometimes, it gives you that little extra spurt to, to whack them, if you know what I mean. You know, you're waiting for that right-hander like type of thing. Uh, no, I wasn't worried. Not at, not at five four. No, but no. What if it was eight four? I'd be worried. But you, you're, you're a guy whose mentality is always that if the other bloke hasn't hit the winning match double, you can still win. I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to knock you out. Of course I am. Yeah. So that's that's my nature. You know. I've had it. I've had been a boxer. I've been. I'd have been. I'd have been terrible. You know. But I'm not, and, and I'm a dark player. But I've watched for weaknesses. I've watched for mistakes. You know. What I mean, if they, if they hit a bad score, I'll try and hit a big score. Today it's been hard because we're both tired. Yeah. I, I know you're tired, so just keep going. I need to get fitter. I'm in the gym every day. I need to get fitter. I need to get slimmer. I need to, everything. And I've got to do it to compete with these people. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it every day and I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to get better. I think I'm going to take a leaf out of your book, you know. I think you're absolutely right on that. Don't eat the leaf, though. <laughs> well, it's better healthier eating leaf than chips. That's why <laughs> I eat um, just, just two quick questions. Um, there's a lot of young kids come through this week. and. There's a, a lot of people saying, well, that's yeah, because yeah. they've seen you and they're inspired by you. There's and a lot of young kids, of course. Do you, do you enjoy seeing these young blokes and think, Love well, it. maybe I've inspired a Love it. There's a couple of this weekend, I can't, I can't, Reese or something like that, I can't remember all the yeah, names. And there's a young lad from Ireland, very, very Remo impressed Connor, with him. Yeah. But it's early doors, don't put too much pressure on them, don't be like, you know, and straight away they're going to be wheel beaters. They're not wheel beaters yet, but they can be wheel beaters in the future. Um, they've got to carry on doing what they're doing. They've got to keep believing in themselves, practicing hard. It's all about dedication and hard work. I've done 25 years of dedication, trust me. I live a very, very boring life. You know how I live, and I'm very, very dedicated. When everybody else is out there enjoying themselves, Phil Taylor isn't. And that's the secret. But when you've got thousands and thousands of pounds in the bank, 
you want to go out and enjoy I do but if you want to do that you ain't going to win I mean I remember the old fella saying to me, I can hear his voice in my head now I mean he's been dead about 12-13 years Phil you've won that shut up get ready for the next one final question Dave Clark and the, the stats boys have come up with the, the, the research is that 67 major darts tournaments that you've won you know major yeah, yeah. majors and other TV majors does that come as a surprise to you that you've won that many or do you keep a challenge I don't think about it to be honest with you I don't really care about how many tournaments I've won I get ready for the next yeah. one now and I keep moving on and I keep getting ready for I love the challenge. If every, I love playing him tonight. I love playing Dennis Ovens. I love playing Adrian Lewis. You know, I enjoy it. And that's a big difference. There's a lot of players don't enjoy it anymore. But I do. And I'm going to keep winning. And I'm going to keep trying. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep eating healthy. I'm going to do everything I can to get better. And I'm going to keep changing my darts and flights and stems. And I'm going to try every, every possible way. If I have to throw a breeze block, it makes me better. I'll do it. Dennis Ovens had a storming UK Open, seeing off Aaron Monk, Smiths, Dennis and Andy, and a resurgent Wes Newton in impressive fashion, falling to the eventual winner Taylor in the semis, but causing him a fright by taking an early lead. And I spoke to him after his first ever televised semi-final. Dennis, just sum up in your own words how the last three days have been for you. Well, I came here with no expectations, really. You know, I was just thinking to myself, I'm on a thousand quid, win a game, get a good draw. No, I made 2,000 quick, I've had to work on Monday, you know. But I rode me luck. There's only one person that had darts to beat me, and that's the master. But I gave him a scare. Yeah, in that final you were 4-2 up and playing absolutely beautifully. Does your mind start racing forward thinking I can beat him here, or do you try and stay very much in the zone each dart at the time? Well, so many things go through your mind when you're up there, you know. It, it, it's... Oh, it's like a film, isn't it? You know, you get you get the epilogue, you get the oh, it is, it's, it's tough work, I know. But you know, I've got the experience now. Enough. It's hard to put into words, really. Yeah. You're playing the legend. I grew up with Eric. Yeah. Eric's my legend. He walks in a room. I look. Phil walks in a room. I don't, because he's come along yeah. after me. Yes. But what an awesome dart player. You're saying that he's come along after you, which he clearly has. I mean, you have been working away, battling away for, for donkey's years, really, and this is the first time you've got to a major semi final. That must mean a heck of a lot to you. Yeah, as I've made, you know, I've made two quarter finals yeah, now, but yeah. you know, my first quarter final, I lost to Mark Dabridge, you know. Um, Wayne Mardell came back at Colin Lloyd, so I had an extra hour to wait. I was ready at that time, but. I think you led in that game, didn't you, as well, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had an over 100 average yeah. in the first set. Yeah, I won 3 0, yeah. Um, but, you know, Phil's very first tournament in Canada. He played me in the last 32. He beat me 3 1, but I missed a few doubles myself, you know. So maybe he might not have got a chance. But, no, he, yeah, he's a great player. He's had a good tuition and he's learned the ropes. What does it do for your confidence to reach the semi final now? Can we expect to see more of you doing that because once you've broke down the barrier it must sort of go on from there mustn't it well I'm enjoying myself on the TV now you know last year like back go back to Blackpool last year you know I beat Dennis Priestley you know I, I'd only ever beat him once before and I beat him on the TV All right, he didn't play very well but you know I, I won that game and I played Terry and I come back at Terry you know and it went to 14-12 I played Lloydy yeah. at Ali Pali you know I left a lot of darts out there you know Maybe I should have won. Um, uh, Perfectly against Lloydy. Maybe I should have won. You know, I had a lead. Yeah. But I'll just keep throwing it away, you know. 
that today. 4-2 up, you should go on and win, shouldn't you? But you're playing a legend, you know? So, no, I'm playing better, a lot better now on TV. I'm just... Don't give a damn, really, I suppose. <laughs> you just go out there and just throw them. Yeah, but when we chat to... We know you've got a very... Uh, good dry sense of view when you've been taking the mickey out of me all week and we've been enjoying a little bit of banter I think you've kind of got a little bit of a cult following now because of your deadpan image on stage you're becoming quite popular with some of the boys and those that crew are following you around chanting the heat is on fire and stuff are you aware that you've got quite a little bit of a cult following now maybe I'm the new John Lowe possibly yeah because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he was deadpan now I've got a text from Bob Anderson today, you know, first time in ages. Yeah. And it meant a lot to me. Yeah. You know, I'm really pleased that he was watching and he felt that he could say that, you know, it was really nice. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, yeah, and it gives you a little bit of a boost. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk this week about all the young kids coming through. Um, I don't know how that, well, you, you think you think I'm old, don't know. That makes me feel old. I don't, how does it make you feel when they see these 18 year old chucking darts? Right, well, how old are you? 42. Really? Yeah, I might look 52 or 62, but I am 42. I think you might need to go and see somebody. Well, what is it like? You know, these 18 year old whippets are coming through and, you know, showing no respect for reputation. I mean, how does that make you feel as a, a real experienced pro? thing is, I've seen them come yeah. and I've seen them go. You know, most of them. They don't hang around, yeah. you know, they have their five minutes of wonder and that's it, they're gone. But, you know, there's a few out there, I'm not going to say who they are. But, you know, they've got to do the hard work like I have. I've done an apprenticeship. You know, it takes time. Some of us take longer than others. Yeah, talking of hard work, you're going to go straight back to job, aren't you? Uh, is it tomorrow you're going to go back or Tuesday? you going to have a day off? No, I'm going back tonight. Yeah, I'll be there first thing in the morning. Yeah, need the money, I'm skinned. <laughs> Former postman Joe Cullen certainly delivered at Bolton and one of his biggest fans is Rod Harrington, who caught up with him to find out how his progression in the game is going. Well, I'm with Joe Cullen, one of the uh, young guns of the professional circuit and uh, Joe, we're at the UK over here and you've just lost to Mervyn King on the big stage, live TV. How did you think you, you played against Mervyn? Well, I played with early doors, but you, know, you need to keep it going. All legs, but I'm quite pleased with where I finished in early doors. 162 a good 1.30, can't afford to make mistakes against big players like that. You must get a lot of encouragement because you, you got through to the, the, you know, the Friday and the late, later stages. You're on a thousand pounds, so there's a little bit of fat there for you, a little bit of money, which obviously helps out, you know, in going forward to playing tour events. Um, but you've actually got a, a, a decent sponsor. You know, you, you were struggling for sponsors, and just tell us a bit about what happened. Well, just by chance, I was, you know, searching for sponsors left, right, and centre, and just by chance, I'd more or less give up on myself and. All of a sudden, I got a phone call saying that somebody wanted to sponsor me, and it does everything for me. You know, like I say, he's one of my friends now. He's, you know, he's more than just a sponsor to me, so he does absolutely everything for me. And that's, that's Tommy Cox's son. Tommy Cox's son, yeah, Neil, yeah. You know, precision sports management. You no, know, absolutely brilliant for me. Just he does everything for me. I can't wish for more than a sponsor. So you, you just rock up, put your foot to the hockey, and you play darts. You haven't got to worry about your flights, your hotels, and that takes a lot of pressure off you, doesn't it? It takes a lot of pressure off, but like I say, I've got a family to provide for, and if I'm not winning at darts, then, you know, it's, it's an hard business, but we've got to start somewhere, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, professional sport, you know, is about the people that, that are the winners, the ones who earn the most money, and then we have other people, but you're only a young man. How old are you? 20. You know, 20 years old, you know, if you're looking, you know, at the Phil Taylors, you know, 48, 49 years old, and a lot of the other players that are playing at the top of their game at a late age, you know, You've got the potential and the years on your side, haven't you? Yeah, but 
How many times have people said that people have got potential, you know, you've got to fulfil your potential? But I believe I can, I believe I can, you know, achieve everything in sport, you know. Everyone aspires to be like Phil Taylor, you know. He's the one that sets the benchmark for everyone, so he's the one that I want to be like. Now, I've been one of the, the, the senior players, I suppose, that have criticised a lot of people in the way their makeup, the way they conduct themselves, their practice regime. Are you one that really does treat it as a professional sport? Do you get up in the morning and say, I've got to go to work and darts is my work? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, to be honest, I got a bit of a lecture off my sponsor, and he, he said to me, you know, so don't hang around the venue after you've lost, you know, get away. He says, you know, you won't stay behind at work. He says, you know, they're not paying you all the time. And he just says, you know, you've got to treat it like a job, he said, otherwise you'll win nothing. You know, that's his dad, Tommy Cox, he knows what he's talking about. So, you know, like I say, I've got good role models. I've got I've, like I say, I've got everything at my feet, it's just all down to me now. Your practice regime, you know, are you a, a heavy practicer? Do you have a, a certain practice partner that you, you go through formats with them? Or, or are you a player that can actually practice on your own? I practice on my own. I've got a computer, I've got my laptop and I downloaded like a computer site for it. And it, it's good, you practice against computer, you can practice at all sorts of different levels, you know, and test yourself, it works out your averages, so you can see how well you're playing every time. You know, I, I do that, like, I'm not that much of an every practice. The way I see it is if I'm playing well, I'll practice. But if I'm not playing well, there's no point, you know, getting on my own back, you know, I'll just, you know, let it go for an hour, then I'll have another try in an hour, you know. If I'm playing well, I'll practice, but I don't, I don't see point in practicing if you don't, you're not playing well, you're not gaining anything from it. Well, they, they, you know, there's an old saying, you know, don't practice bad habits. Uh, now, the tour events, I mean, the PB, PBC, you know, we're coming out with tour card next year. You know, we've got a lot of tour events on. We're putting out over five million in prize money. You know, is your aim, you know, to just improve as much as you can? Or are you setting yourself targets to win tour events and then win TV events and then win world titles you know what is your aim if you've given yourself a set amount of years that this is what I want to do by that time this is what I want to do by that time or are you a player that just says I'm going to take it day by day well realistically in three four years maybe five years tops I think I will become world champion you know you've got to have that confidence but you know like it's, it's difficult it's difficult because every, every week you're playing against top quality players so you you set yourself goals. All I'm aiming for is consistency. You know, you know, you got to take it in steps. Like last 16, you know, week in, week out. Then last, you know, last eight. Then last four. You know, you got to take it. You know, as it comes. But that's it. You won't be much more of a confident player than me. You know, you've got to be confident. If you're com- not confident, then no point taking part. Well, you know, I've been in this game some 25 years now, Joe, believe it or not. So I'm not that young when I started. So I'm really old now, and uh, I see everything. Uh, and I study everything and as you know I'm, I'm trying to do things for the younger players in the game and I have to say you know and I have praised you up on TV for your ability I think you are one of the players that are going to take this game forward in the next few years so I'd just like to you know to wish you all the best and keep that attitude of it is a job for me and I am going to do it right so thanks Joe yeah, thanks Rod the Riley Start Zones UK Open provided some great moments with new faces catching our eye as well as some older names grabbing the limelight. I caught up with Rod Harrington to chat about an eventful weekend in Bolton. Rod, let's reflect back on the UK Open and then the big talking point has been the influx of young players, teenage darts players that we've seen at the uh, Reebok Stadium. Reese Robinson did well, Michael Smith did well, William O'Connor from Ireland looked an exceptional talent as well. What have you made of that? Does it make you feel good about the future of the game? Yeah, it certainly does, because as you know, that, you know, I'm heavily involved in the future of, of the playing side and the players, and uh, it does. It's very encouraging. 
and this tournament has uh, kind of spurred me on to, to bring in youth policies uh, for the PDC next year. I've, I've been putting them together over the last couple of years, but they got put on hold because of the PDC looking to buy the BDO. But now I'm going to put a, a youth policy together that's going to encourage uh, youngsters, uh, mainly under tw under 21s, um, try and help them out financially, or well, not so much help them, give them money, but not charge them as much to enter tournaments, uh, and then put things together and have youth tournaments that hopefully the PDC are going to put uh, money into. So I've got to put that all together and then um, take it to the board directors and, and get their okay, which I think they will, because you know we need to look to the future. If you don't look to the future, you don't have a future. Um, but it has been extremely encouraging. Like you say, Rhys Robinson gets up on the big stage and hacks it with a senior professional, and he's not overruled. You know, William O'Connor played absolutely superb darts. You know, we've got Joey Cullen, we've got Michael Smith. You know, we have got now possibly ten people, Aaron Monk, you know, ten youngsters that are capable of, of standing up there toe-to-toe -to -toe with senior professionals. Yeah. You mentioned the, the youth policy that you're able to put together. Um, give us a bit more details. What I mean, we know the chairman of the uh, the PDC, Barry Hearn, now back in charge of snooker. They've got a, an academy in Sheffield, which is well used by, by young players. What, what would be the game plan or the ideal if, uh, for the next few years? What are you going to try and put in place? Well, we've already got academies spreading up all over the country. Mm. Um, we've got Stockport College that have uh, put it more or less on the curriculum. And other colleges are interested in contacting me and, and other people from Stockport. But really what I want to do is start up Pacific under-21 tournaments, in between, say, 14 and 21. Anyone below that um, is not really, they've not, uh, their body is not grown properly yet. So, uh, you know, we, we don't want to do that, although that may come in, in, in time. But put on Pacific tournaments, perhaps at our tour events. So we will have, you know, however to turn up, and we'll have a, a, a youth tournament, perhaps a £1,000 in prize money. You know, the winner gets 250 quid. But what I'd also like to do is, if by any chance we become short of players to make the 128 up for the tour events, then we can just put these these kids in. And Barry Hearn's already said that. That was one of the ideas when I went to him about, you know, I was a bit worried that some tournaments wouldn't get the 128 when the tour card comes in in 2011. Yeah. That was one of my worries. And he said, right, well, let's do this and do that, and uh, perhaps we can work on it and put the youngsters in and they don't get charge for it. Yeah. You know, I'd like the PDPA to only charge them £100 a year instead of £400 a year. You know, us to only charge £25 or £50 instead of a £100 entry fee. Yeah. All them little things are going to encourage. Now, I've got a young, uh, a young son, a youngster, 19 years old. If he shows commitment between now and Christmas, I will put him on the tour. Now, there's lots of other fathers out there that have got youngsters that are good enough, but they can't afford it. So if we can help them out, that brings them in and that's got to be great for our game. You know, we need to find the next Phil Taylor because at the moment there isn't another Phil Taylor out there and Phil Taylor is dominating this game so much that we need to look to the future. Now, do, do you still beat your lad at darts? Do you even bother playing him because you're so afraid you might get beat? Exactly right. He keeps saying to me, will you come up the pub, Dad, I need a practice partner, come on, and I'm thinking, if he starts kicking me, you know, and then starts putting in, if he's, if he's got a little bit of lip like I had on it, you know, and keep reminding you that he beats you, I'll end up, uh, well, I won't even clump him back, he's bigger than me, he'll probably give me a, a whopping, but, uh, no, I mean, I, there was, I, I, I went up to his local club, up at Gallywood Sports Social Club near Chelmsford, on a Friday night, went up to see a friend, and I was watching, there was ten of them on the dartboard, and I watched them, all ten of these guys could throw darts, and, and there was a young girl there, and I'm thinking, why are they just playing here on a Friday night? Why aren't we 
putting tournaments. So they're playing in tournaments to get match practice. It's one thing my boys never done is played league, leagues at all. That's what we've got to yeah. do. But at the moment, what they do, they get slung in to this big arena without really coming on the ladder. So they get slung into a tournament, they're playing Phil Taylor, get their ass kicked. You know, that can discourage them. So what we need to do is have a bit of a feeder system so they can earn a little bit of money to help out and they get the experience. So when they get on that big stage, and of course, the discipline side of the game, you know, the the uh, media side of the train, so that, uh, training, so that they come into it, and if they get interviewed, they're going to be a little bit better than the guy who's just walked out of the pub, you yeah. know, and puts on the stage. Yeah, you, you're talking about uh, discipline there and professionalism. How, how do we, and, and as a sport, marry the, the discipline and professionalism with wanting characters uh, and wanting to promote the game, wanting showmen? Because it, is it difficult for the two to, to mix it if a player comes through and he's very professional, he doesn't drink, he, he looks slim, he looks fit? But he won't have the character of same way Marvel, Peter Manley, and all uh, Ted Hankey and et al. Is it difficult to mix the two? I think it's very difficult. I mean, you know, um, we do have uh, drinkers in this game. We all know that. We can't get away from it. Um, and let's let's be totally honest. If you go out for a, a, a social night, if you don't drink, you don't have such a good time. If you have a drink, you can have a great time. Now that happens in darts as well. When you've got a little bit of beer inside you with the adrenaline, you know, I've been there, it is a high. And then you're on that big stage and with the adrenaline rushing, you get emotionally involved, you yes, and you turn around the crowd. If you're stone cold sober, don't know. Don't know if you're still going to have that adrenaline rush that you would do with the mixture of a bit of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. That's something we're going to have to find out. Certainly I will not tell people that they can't be characters. I will encourage them to find their own nickname, to find yeah. their own walk-on music, you know, because we do need characters. This game is about characters. I mean, Wayne Mardle is not playing very well at all. But when he played Phil Taylor, although he was losing, the crowd was still there for him. You know, and that's, that, we need that, especially in the Premier League. Now, Peter Manley is out of the game now, and Peter may not ever come back in the game at uh, uh, that standard. Yeah. But he was a great character. I mean, when he used to walk on to Amarillo, I stood there singing. <laughs> now, Jamie Harvey used to come on to uh, uh, the Bonnie Bonnie yeah, Banks of Loch Lomond. Yeah. We used to sing it, you know, and that's what the crowd do, so it yeah. gets involved. So we do need to breed characters, but we need to breed the character that doesn't drink, really, or doesn't drink as much. Yeah but knows how to conduct himself. Well, just on that, I'm talking about conducting themselves and characters, I, I just wanted to ask you about Paul Nicholson. Now, well, we both know Paul, and we know that he's a nice bloke. Yeah. Very, I mean, he couldn't be more different away from the hockey than he is when he gets on stage. But yeah. I've got to ask you, I mean, what, what did you, on earth did you make of that carry-on at the end of the game with Gary Anderson when Russ Bray literally had to manhandle him off stage because it looked like one point he was going to fling himself in the crowd and try and get after somebody? Yeah, exactly. I thought he was going to jump over the barriers yeah, and yeah. start landing at someone. Up until he did that, I thought he played it brilliantly. Played a brilliant game of darts. He, he was the one who brought in the bad boy image, um, but he went over the top. For TV, we like to see it because, as you know, Rod, we like a bit of niggle because it looks good and we'll play it over and over yeah. again. But for himself and communication with the crowd, he did it wrong. After he lost, and it was a brilliant game, he should have turned around the crowd and thanked them. And if a bloke turned around and he was a bit very just put your thumbs up to him and smile at him and say, see you next time, mate. Because when he walks on that stage next time, a bit like Peter Manley again, they all cheer and sing, then they boo him, but then they want him to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's going to happen with uh, Paul Nicholson if he hadn't have done that. I'm not saying it will tarnish his reputation or his, his, his character, but you need the crowd to know 
that you want reaction because it looks good on TV, but in actual fact, we're having a bit of a pantomime here, and you're part of it. And that's what darts is about. It isn't just throwing darts nowadays. It is a bit of a WWF. It is a bit of a pantomime. Because if we do it that way, we earn a lot more money. That means we put more money into the tour, which makes the players more money so they can have a living. And that makes more players professional instead of having to go to work on the building or sweeping the roads, whatever they do. So Paul went over the top that isn't going to help him. Help TV, because we like to say we're going to play it time and time again. But he went just over the top on that. On a similar note, well, in fact, on a completely opposite note, actually, Mervyn King's uh, conduct of this tournament, he, he threw a nine-darter brilliantly, brilliant nine-darter against Gary Anderson, a brilliant game, and he, he lost in the most agonising of circumstances by uh, one leg, 9-8. I, I spoke to him afterwards for Scott. I, he could not have been more gracious. Yeah. He was brilliant with the crowd, he was brilliant with Gary Anderson. It was a completely different side that we don't see from Mervyn King. That has to be the way... He needs to go, doesn't he? I mean, you know, he, he, he couldn't have been more gracious, as I said. He was absolutely brilliant. I yeah. think that's the best I've seen him play. Although he's won a lot of tournaments, yeah. so I think that's the best I've seen him play consistently. Why? I mean, a great game. That's what we want to see. That is that is box office. That is Premier League, no question. Um, and you're right. I think Mervyn King has changed a couple of things. I think he's realised after the Premier League that um, he needs to look at his character uh, and, and work with the crowd. It didn't help when he shaved his head because that's more or less yeah. when it started. You, you look, you look at that. You know, and on TV you don't come over too well. These are all facts. People can say, oh, he's moaning again, you're talking a load of crap. No, these are the facts that make this industry work and make you a proper character instead of a, looking a thug and making more money and more sponsors. You know, he conducts himself absolutely brilliantly. He throws a nine dart. You know, he worked with the crowd, he smiled, he was waving at the crowd. He's got to do that. It may take a little while before he really turns them around because of what he did in Newcastle and being a bit miserable. But the guys that are miserable on that stage are the people that get the stick. Now, when they talk about people booing them and shouting, there is no bigger noise than when Phil Taylor plays because they chant, there's only one Phil Taylor at the top of their voice, and yet Phil Taylor steps up there and still throws 118 averages. Now, to me, there's no difference between that noise and the noise of a crowd really booing. You know, all right, the crowd are getting on your back a little bit, but the overall noise is still there. Phil Taylor puts up with it, so everybody else has got to, you know, yeah. run with it, really. Yeah, I tell you what, you're right about the, the shaving head thing. They did some studies in football about uh, you're more likely to be booked if you look like you've got a shaving head. If you've got long hair, you're less likely. Some, everyone says, what a load of rubbish, but it's actually... It's psychological true. fact. It's yeah, true. yeah. If, if, you, if you was a, a, a company sitting there, Rod, yeah. we want to sponsor a dart player. Facts are facts. Are you going to sponsor someone that's got his head shaven and looks a bit thuggish? I mean, not saying they are one no, bit, no. because we know they're players, and we, I know Mervyn King, I play golf with him. Lovely fella. And Van Gerwen, you couldn't meet a nicer young man. Don't look the part. And if you want to go on in this industry and, and pick up proper sponsors... You have to look the part. That's why I wore a collar and a tie and a waistcoat. Not Very smart I wanted you to, look, Rodney, I must say. But it brought me in sponsors that no one else brought in. You know, golf companies, Reebok sponsored me for two or three years. No other person got them. It was only because I was something out of the norm. Now, Paul Nicholson goes on a, a, a shirt and a tie. looks great. You know, some people, like Phil Taylor, it don't matter what he wears, he will get away with it yeah. because Phil is Phil. But other ones have to look in the mirror and go, do you know what? I need to do something. Adrian Lewis says he's going to lose three stone. Well, I've heard you say it before, Adrian. Get and do it and come back. And when you've lost the three stone and you feel great about yourself, then I'll pat you on the back and say, well done, son. That may make you 5% better. That 5% may win you your first TV event. Yeah, I'm 
people remember seeing you in your waistcoat and tie and uh, they see you on Sky Rod and your standards of dress have not slipped at all since you uh, stopped playing. I mean, you are a picture of sartorial elegance. Uh, just final point. Uh, we talked about the young players at the start. Um, on the opposite end of the scale, terrific to see Dennis Ovens reaching his first uh, major Sky TV semi-final. He's, he's worked long and hard over many, many years, uh, Dennis, and it, it's good to see him getting a, a reward, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. At tour events, when Dennis loses, he doesn't stop moaning. He always comes up to me or Tommy Cox, and we have it in a year every weekend. And I said to him as he walked out, so you've got nothing to complain about this weekend, have you, Dennis? He went, I'm actually enjoying myself. <laughs> and, but what he's done, Dennis has never been a person that likes the limelight. And the one thing the UK Open does is sneaks people in on the blind side. Yeah. Because they're all on the outside boards, it's a bit like floor events. Yeah. And only the big boys, I know it's a horrible word to say, but the, the big characters get on that main stage. So Dennis Ivins can go over there on board seven and eight. Go along nicely. He's played brilliant, probably the best starts of his life this week. But he's done it without anybody knowing really. And then he gets on that stage when he's already been warmed up over three days. He steams into Wes Newton, who we all, let's be honest, we all thought mm. Wes would have, would have beaten yeah. Dennis. But he steamed into him. But what he did then was do a professional job. Held his throw when he needed to. You know, you see so many people, Mark Walsh was 5-0 up against Tony Ears and lost. How do you lose from 5-0 up? You've got to look at your game. You've got to study that and say what happened, you know. Dennis Ovens didn't do that. Got in front, held his darts, and, and played, like I said, the best darts I think I've ever seen. Well, they are the best darts yeah. that Dennis has ever done on the TV. And, like you say, the youngsters, you know, I sit there thinking, blimey, the old boy's older than me. <laughs> you know, and uh, so age really doesn't matter in this game uh, because it isn't a, a sport where you have to run a marathon, you have to be super fit, you have to be fit to play the game, we know that but it is a sport when any age can, can actually play it. Well, thanks for listening to On The Wire. We'll be back soon with another show packed full of the biggest names in darts.